Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. This episode of the Managing Madrid podcast is brought to you by patreon.com slash managing Madrid, which now has a Discord server. So if you become a patron, you get access to the Discord server where you can talk about Real Madrid's men's team, women's team, Castilla. You can talk about the Champions League, La Liga. You can discuss all of Managing Madrid's articles. You can discuss tactics, off-topic stuff, and everything you can possibly dream of with other Madridistas. It's a great family that we've built over on patreon.com slash Managing Madrid. And the Discord is basically an extension of that. So sign up there. You get a ton of bonus content. And now the Discord server as well. If you're interested in our thoughts on the whole Cristiano Ronaldo thing, Lucas and I spent about half hour, I'd say total, of the one-hour podcast uh, answering questions on that and giving our reaction to it. That's, again, over on patreon.com slash Madrid. Coming up is a podcast long overdue with our friend Phil Kitro of TSFP and La Liga TV. Needs no introduction, and uh, it was a really fun conversation. Always is with him. So kick back, enjoy, and here's Phil Kitro. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Kareem Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Times ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate podcast as well. Of course, Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation. Hello and welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. We have a very, very special guest on. It's been a long time. Actually, this is, I think, the second time Phil Kitramelidis, the great Phil, has appeared on the Managing Madrid podcast. By my count, anyway, I could be wrong. But either way, it's been a long time. It was definitely before the pandemic. And after all this time, we got the man of the hour, the very busy man who was traveling between Barcelona and Madrid, working for La Liga TV, doing amazing things with TSFP, and uh, we got him on the show. We we struck gold. So, Phil, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Hey, Kian. Yeah, good to be here, man. It, yeah, I think it is the second time. The first one was a long time ago, um, a long, long time ago. I think while I was still working at Real Madrid TV. Um, and now, yeah, a few years later, 
the world has changed things have changed but you know i'm still here still in spain so yeah good to be here well you know me like there's no one more thrilled about you leaving real madrid tv than me because i can think back to that episode we did a long time ago when you worked for real madrid tv and i was like what what is phil allowed to talk about what can we scrape out of this <laughs> let's get some uh, yeah. journalism advice you know favorite memories working for real madrid tv all that stuff <laughs> Yeah, there are some NDAs, so there's the, not everything could be uh, can be fully disclosed. Ah, listen, man, it was great. Like the Real Madrid TV, the English version of Real Madrid TV, which I think is just about still going, but barely. Mm. In the beginning, it was it was a really serious operation. There were you know 15 people working for it, and you can just tell like the quality of people that worked there because of what they've gone on to do. Obviously, Kay Murray, ESPN host, Dan Thomas, ESPN host, uh, Alex Aljo works for the Premier League. Uh, Rhiannon Jones has been doing good stuff as well in the UK. Uh, loads, I mean, genuinely loads. Those are four that I was closest to, but there are lots of others, and and we were doing good stuff. But the vision, shall we say, was a little bit. Um, a little bit narrow-minded, a little bit close-minded, and the biggest club in the world didn't necessarily want to invest the money in, in the English-speaking uh, TV show, and, and the main budget went for the main Spanish TV show. So, uh, yeah, we we kept doing you know less and less things. So I travelled all around Europe and, indeed, uh, the US with, uh, with, uh, with, with, with Real Madrid, going to Champions League games, La Liga games, pre-season tours. We were covering loads of stuff. And then slowly we stopped travelling, we stopped doing shows, we stopped basically doing anything so it's a real shame because there's huge potential and i know there's a, a market for madridistas out there who would really quite like to have the channel uh, operating as it once was but it's 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 it's, it's not going to happen so um yeah but i've got great memories nine years there and like i said lots of lots of good times but then sort of then sort of, sort of progressively worse times because the budgets were cut and we were doing less and less and by the end we were doing basically nothing so i think it was it was a good time to leave well, I, I was thinking because you just brought back a lot of memories. Because when I was a kid, when I was younger, Sid was also there as well. And so, just yeah. thinking about back to a lot, a lot of these commentaries that were done on Real Madrid TV, um, I remember you having some really fun commentary moments as well during the Champions League <laughs> runs. And yeah. so I, it was fun. Like it was a huge. I mean, you mentioned Kay yeah. and Dan. What what did ultimately change? Because if I'm thinking like right now, if the, such a thing existed. It would do amazing for English know, TV right? fans. Uh, we, sh you know, someone should someone should tell the club because, um, uh, what 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 changed? I guess, like, yeah, the um, the the desire to invest in, in in English version of Real Madrid TV wasn't there. The budget wasn't there to do stuff. So when we were doing extra time, which was the show on a Monday and a, and a Thursday, um, then we only did it once a week, and then we stopped doing it. Um, and then we stopped having guests coming in. So it was just me basically talking to a camera and throwing to videos. I mean, pretty, pretty basic stuff um, from where we once were. We, we, we did pitch side uh, shows before games uh, as well for like two, three seasons. We were in the stadium before games doing a pitch side show, which we streamed on Facebook and that kind of stuff. It was really cool stuff, uh, which, you know, got a lot of interaction. Um, but for some reason... Um, I mean, I have to praise the club in terms of what they're doing on social media because they have invested in um, in in uh, in that aspect, and uh, there's been there's been a big improvement, I think. Yeah. Anyway, uh, from what they're doing on on social media, I think you know most Madridistas, English speaking Madridistas, would see that. But there is still, as you said, you know, there's a market there for people to watch this channel, and they would they would like it. And um, but I don't ever think it's coming back. Certainly not how it was. 
I, I mean, the Spanish side seems to be going strong. At least when I walk by press row, I see, you know, the the ex-players with the microphones and all that stuff behind yeah. them doing some stuff. I mean, go, going strong, they, I mean, they're, yeah, they're still going. and Because I used to do quite a lot on the Spanish version as well um, mm. because, yeah, I was sort of in-house uh, and my level of Spanish is high enough to be able to broadcast in it. So I used to do stuff for them. And it was a little bit dis- disheartening Um some of the audience figures because they they put like a film on in the afternoon <laughs> after the sort of lunch they put like a afternoon and that got quite good audience figures and then we'd come on in the afternoon and do our show and, and the audience figures went right down as soon as we came on so um that was a bit disheartening i must say i haven't checked recently um what the figures are but it's it's not widely watched in um in in spain i guess on match days on match days the pre-match show that they do and if there's been a big game afterwards like the post-match um they get good viewing then but it's difficult isn't it to do a 24 hour a 24 hour show a 24 hour channel rather on 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 one specific theme it's difficult so um they're they're doing their best i guess i i got it's 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 true i mean even like we our our bosses here want us to do a daily podcast basically and we're like yeah which okay but like we're really scraping the barrel here we're only talking about one theme like there's only so much yeah, I know. like yesterday the Cristiano Ronaldo interview we're like oh yeah thank god give us some content he's a past player we can we can squeeze that in yeah. it's hard yeah yeah no, um, I, I miss it, the it Castilla hard, games the most that, that Real Madrid TV were great for that back in the day and it's hard to, to watch Castilla these yeah. days yeah absolutely and that was just broadcast online all around the world uh you could tune in and watch Castilla I mean we <laughs> We did a lot of youth games. I used to commentate like the Benjamines, like the eight-year-olds yeah. uh, running around, which was, you know, probably a bit unnecessary. Don't necessarily <laughs> need to be televising that. Uh, especially, they were really good. They were they beat everybody. Yeah. So, you know, Real Madrid were winning like 20-0 and sometimes it was a bit hard on the other team. They'd start crying or, you know, it was, uh, it was, it wasn't <laughs> the best. It didn't make for the best TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the funny thing is, was I was in one commentary booth uh, on my own, obviously, and then the Spanish version, we were in another commentary booth and and sometimes they'd have one commentator and two analysts for for like an under eights game or under nines game. And every goal, their directive is to commentate it like it's the Champions League final. <laughs> so these eight year olds are scoring at seventeen nil, and it's goal, 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 goal. <laughs> Still going for it, and I'm like kind of toned down, like ah, oh, another goal, okay, you know. And these guys really go for it. So, um, but yeah, That's no, great. Castilla was good, man. And and now I find like having spent nine years at Real Madrid TV and most of those years doing youth commentaries, there are loads of players who I know now and are. Primera División players that I saw come through. So that was like a really good, um, really good foundation and, and basis because and I wouldn't have been watching those those players in those games otherwise. But yeah, that, that served me in good stead. So we could uh, transition to talk about the big tournament that's happening, I think, next week. It's called the World Cup or something. Um, what's, yeah. it, what's it like this time of year, by the way, for you? Is this like one of the rare times of downtime for you? In between, what do you mean now that there's no, yeah, um, La just Liga? like this one week that it, yeah. there's nothing, yeah. I mean, this 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 one week is 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 pretty chilled. Um, usually now with working for La Liga TV and presenting every weekend their match day coverage, I'm away from home, as you said in the intro. I'm in Barcelona, I live in Madrid, but the studios are in Barcelona, so I've got to go up to Barcelona and spend all weekend, uh, in the studio, uh, which is sort of kind of tough uh, family-wise, but now I've got seven weekends where I don't have to go up there in a row, which is mm. great. Yeah. Um, we are doing a, a show on a Wednesday, uh, so I'm going up, but that's just up there and back in the day. 
Um, so yeah, it's 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 unexpectedly cool um, to have this little break. Obviously, we're still sort of trying to come to terms. I don't know if you guys have been discussing about your feelings to to the World Cup and um, how how you're approaching how you're approaching it. I guess you know we're professionals. It's our job. We do love the World Cup. I personally have certain misgivings about uh, how and where this is being staged, but. Um, I guess you've got to cover it. Uh, I'm, I'm not in a pro position to boycott it totally, but I think it's fair to say you can cover it while at the same time expressing your uh, misgivings over certain aspects. Yeah, I think that's correct. I mean, I saw your the tweet that you guys put out on the thread on TSFB's Twitter account. Yeah, I think it's kind of the same boat for us is that our job is to cover all of Real Madrid's players who are playing during the World Cup. And that's what we're going to do. Um, I, you know, and I'm me personally, I've, there's a, my head's also, cause like Diego asked me yesterday, like what I think about Iran's chances. And I like went on this huge tangent, like right now, Iran's, we're not even thinking about football. Yeah. It's, there's so much happening. And then you have all the human rights issues in Qatar on top of this. So yeah, we just kind of approach it the way, same way you guys are that we do our job and, uh, yeah. we can also express right. our feelings towards the tournament and all that. Um, I read your article this morning, your latest column for Optus Sport, talking about Luis Enrique, and I thought it was really interesting. And um, I, from what I gather, I know that you guys, that I'm just pulling it up here, uh, are pretty. You, you're admirers of Luis Enrique, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I, I admire, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not like super pro or super against him, but because, listen, what I admire about him, I admire his pugnacious and sort of uh, the way that attitude and the way he wants to take on the press here. Because when you live and work here in Spain every single day, day in, day out, and you see the way that certain things are covered by certain aspects of the press, when somebody comes along and is just like, you know what, I'm not having it from you guys, a bit like Mourinho did uh, for Real Madrid. It's kind of like, yeah, you know, good on you because there's a lot of people talking a lot of nonsense in this country a lot of times. So in that aspect, um, I, I I admire him. I think as a football coach, uh, I don't think his, his quality is, is questionable, really. He's, he's a fantastic coach, one of the best. He's one of the best managers in the tournament at the World Cup. If you look each country, who is their manager? I think no Luis doubt. Enrique is one of the best managers there. So, so you... You said a lot of interesting things in the article, and I and by the way, like the whole because you said you, you did mention about how the country seems to be divided based on you know are you a Real Madrid supporter and you know Lucho's call ups and all of that. And I personally, I, I don't, I don't know if there's necessarily an anti Madrid bias. I think it's he has just a very very interesting view of his squad selection and which players he values. And if you look at, like, to me, if you look at a lot of the emissions that people are complaining about, to me, the emissions are not Real Madrid players. Like, I'm thinking about Mikel Marino, Sergio Canales, people like that. And, you know, look, Sergio Ramos... Here? Here in Spain? Here in Spain, here in Madrid, I have not heard anyone complain about Mikel Marino as they should have. No one's saying anything about Bryce Mendes, which they definitely should have. But yeah. lots of people are talking about Sergio Ramos. Sure. I promise yeah, you. Yeah, I, yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. I, I I suppose yeah, my lens is different from the 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 Madrid I'm lens, but you. yeah, um, yeah. I often do wonder, like, what's the the? There's a big what if if Ramos doesn't get injured at the end of that, uh, I guess 20, 2020 season, I think it was, or towards the tail end of whatever his last season at Real Madrid was. 
This is a yeah. whole different trajectory because no way you can drop him if he doesn't get injured. And if you don't drop him for that World Cup, what ha- or for that Euros, what happens for the rest of this timeline? No, yeah, I mean, it was, I think, March 2021 when he's, uh, he played his final game, for, last game for Spain. And not only yeah. was he not getting dropped, he was he was getting brought on for a few minutes to get an extra cap to get closer to the record. Like Luis Enrique was actively encouraging him. They seemed super close in in that respect. And then... And then, yeah, he's, he's, he, he spent a lot of time without without playing football. A lot of time. I mean, at his age as well. Uh, we're talking, you know, nearly a year without playing proper football is it, it's complicated. But um, yeah, had he had 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 he not got injured there, he would have been playing at the Euros, at this World Cup as well. I've, I've no doubt about that. Isn't it crazy too? Because at that time they were thinking about like. Oh, Ramos is playing too many games. He wants to go to the Olympics as well. And then just everything changed. That everything changed for him. He left Real Madrid. It's just a completely different timeline. Um, do you feel like should have taken the deal, Sergio? Should have taken the deal that Uncle Florentino offered you. Should have taken it. In hindsight, I think there are definitely several players who shouldn't have left Real Madrid for their <laughs> for their own sake. Um, do you feel like there's a hint of like if you take him to Spain, it's kind of like if Aragonés had taken Raúl to his squad in 2008, where it's like, you have to play him, he's a distraction, you can't just put him on the bench. Do you feel like there's an element of that there? I think that's one of the major reasons why he's not taking him, genuinely, because in terms of footballing ability, uh, I don't watch the French League, but he's been playing, uh, apparently, playing well, uh, playing regularly, he's fit, and a fit and healthy Sergio Ramos, even at the age of 35, can definitely bring something to any squad, anywhere, uh, even if yeah. it's not starting. Uh, but him being Sergio Ramos and this being Spain, it also brings with it a lot of other things as well, a lot of baggage, which Luis Enrique, being the person that he is as well, being the personality that he is, wants to avoid. And and he's all about the group, right? He is all about uh, the team, the squad, not the individuals. He doesn't have a stronger starting eleven. He doesn't. Well, he doesn't have a first eleven, does he? Like you couldn't name. You could name a few players that he likes and will probably pick, but you can't name his starting eleven because he's. I don't think he's about that. I think he's about having a group of players, and each one can play in any given position in any given game. But if you got Sergio Ramos in the squad, then he just has to start because he's Sergio Ramos, and I guess that kind of takes away from his his idea as well. Like I, I do think that. I don't. I wonder if that's a hindrance. The fact that we don't know, or and he doesn't know who his best eleven is yet, and we're heading into the World Cup. There's like, I suppose it's hard to plan for in some way if you're the opponent. But there's no like, okay, so this is what we are. This is our best yeah. eleven. I don't. I wonder if that's a hindrance. Yeah, I mean, like I said, he's 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 all about having like a style and a way of playing and having players that can fit into that style, which is why he wants you know. Ball playing centre backs and, and and not necessarily Nacho, uh, etc. Um, so in terms of not having that starting eleven, he's got a he's got a style and he's got people who can play to that style, and then he's got certain people that he thinks will play better in certain games. But yeah, I, I if I was a manager and I'm I'm not a manager and I wasn't a very good footballer, but if I was a manger, I would like to. Th- have a, a clearly defined first eleven in my in my eyes, and then you know players that can come in and help me out in certain certain ways. That's what I do, but I tr- I trust Luis Enrique because I, I genuinely think he's a very good manager and and he's won a lot of stuff. So um, well, let's see. I, I think he I so I think he proved 
his case also during the Euros when they, they played really well after a lot of criticism on the squad selection. But you had something in here that I thought was bang on where you said, quote, Spain could go out in the group stages or reach the semifinal and neither would be a massive shock. I said that literally word for word yesterday on the podcast. That like <laughs> the, the floor and the ceiling of this team is just, there's so much variance. And I think there's just, it's just unknown. It could completely tank. It could be also, it could also beat any team in the world. Like, and, and that's where, we have no idea. If you look at the qualifiers, if you look at the Nations League, every starting 11 was different. It was completely random in our eyes, although to him, all, all, there's obviously a method. He doesn't care what people think, which is the correct stance to take if you're the coach of a team like this. And it just, it, there's just so much, so many unknowns. I wouldn't be surprised. If, I honestly would not be shocked if they won the World Cup. I would not be shocked if they somehow lost against Japan as well in the group stages. And something bad happened. Yeah, listen, I mean, the, the group actually could could be tricky for them. Like, we know Costa Rica will just sit back, play super defensive and um, make it very difficult for them to get any space and Spain struggle against teams like that. And Japan, probably something similar, but perhaps even more organised with uh, better attacking players. And then Germany are Germany. So actually, the group is, it's, it's not a foregone conclusion that they get out of the group. I mean, that first game against Costa Rica is vital, absolutely vital. Um... If they, if they don't win that, they're in they're in serious trouble. But yeah, just going back to what you said, I mean, even at the Euros, like the margins were pretty fine, man. Like they drew the first two games, didn't they? And, and they weren't great in those first two games. And then in the knockouts, it was kind of against Croatia. You had the, the pretty crazy game that, that went extra time against uh, Switzerland as well. I mean, it was all pretty... Um, yeah, fine margins. So yeah, even then, even like their their greatest success uh, could have been could have been so different. So yeah, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with Spain? In our few remaining minutes, I did like we can't have an entire podcast with Phil without talking about Uruguay and Fede Valverde. So my question is, where does the Uruguay love come from? Is it in your is it in your DNA? Is it in your blood? Or is it just a, a, a different kind of fascination that just arose somehow? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a valid question, Kian, because I'm certainly in no way Uruguayan uh, in terms of my heritage and I've not even been there. Uh, I guess my, my love and fascination for Uruguay stems from the fact that I think if you, if you love football, you kind of got to admire, at the least admire Uruguay and what they've done and how... They have overachieved, sitting as they do in between two absolute giants of world football, Brazil and Argentina, massive countries, massive footballing countries, and tiny, tiny Uruguay is there in between them, competing, competing and often beating them, being the most successful team in the history of the Copa America uh, up until recently, uh, winning World Cups a long time ago, but still, um, and producing like all these really, really... I was going to say talented players. They are talented, but also just spirited, determined and full-blooded players. The kind of players that fans like. Like, if you, if we, we know that Madridistas like um, players to run around and show that they're, 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 they've, they've got spirit, they're, 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 they're into it, right? That's what Uruguayans do. Like, every Uruguayan, wherever they are, are fully committed to a team. So I'm kind of obsessed with the fact that this tiny little country in between two massive, massive places... 
can can just do so well and then when you dig into it a little bit you find how just obsessed they are by football how it just permeates every aspect of their existence how it kind of like defines them as well as a nation and yeah i just i'm i'm rooting for uruguay big time and fede valverde is the man and i've been saying it <clears throat> been saying it for a while saying it for a while um I remember when he came to Real Madrid to begin with and we didn't know what his best position was, where he was going to play, how he was going to play, what kind of what kind of place he had in this in this squad. I remember a lot for a lot a long time people thought that he was just a natural backup to Casemiro. Um mm-hmm. I'm, you know, you guys have spoken about Fede Valverde a lot on the podcast. You don't need me to say anything, but I'm very pleased to see him to see him take that next level, next step up and it's not just about the footballing stuff as well with him. I think, you know, he's done a lot of work off the pitch uh, with a personal coach in terms of his mental uh, visualisation of reaching the top. He's looking after himself better physically. He's the fastest player in this Real Madrid squad. He is so unbelievably quick and powerful and has so much potential physically. And he's reaching that now. He's terrifyingly young as well. So he's going to be around for a long time. And he's he's just an extraordinary player. And, and like I said, one that fans can get behind. I mean, I'm not a Real Madrid fan, but I think fans can get behind this guy because he, he's just going to give everything in every game. And people people love that. Do you remember his... Do you remember it was like the most Uruguayan thing I've ever seen, like his foul in the Super Cup against Atleti. Morata. Uh, the, was it the first Super Cup, right, on Morata? And he was, yeah. he was going to be through and... And Valverde rugby tackles him, and I was just like, man, what, what, what a guy! So, um, so yeah, that's a little bit of an explanation as to why I love Uruguay and, and, and why Fede Valverde is such a such an important important player for me. That that tackle, I mean, I remember we did a segment on like, what is everyone's moment? Like Ramos has his ninety two forty eight <laughs> moment, you know. Um, Everyone has like a moment, like a Ramjud legend has their moment. Fede already has a moment. Like when we think about Fede, we think about that image of him slide tackling Morata, taking the red card. It was literally the best red card you can get. Like it's like the most logically uh, sound red card that is like completely acceptable. Yeah, you take the red card. That was a good decision. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful yeah. red card. It's still like the picture of him grabbing onto Morata is still like yeah. the... Uh, WhatsApp profile group of a friend of a group that I have with a friend, loads of Real Madrid friends because yeah, is a, is a big thing. But he's going to get get more moments as well, man. Like that's the moment at the moment. But I don't know the goals that he's scoring. Um, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be he's gonna be doing big things for a while. I you you could argue he's already had uh, bigger moments than that. Some of his goals have been absolutely insane. Um, one last question. I know you're pretty big on providing betting tips and. You kind of know what the odds are for certain things. Anything catch your eye for the World Cup that is a good bet? <laughs> so Sid and I have put money on Uruguay to win at fifty to one. Like, I don't I think it. that's a good bet, but it's a uh, it's a, I, I I don't know what the North American odds are like. That might be like plus five thousand. I think. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if that's a good bet, but it's an emotional bet, and it's one we do every year, um, every every year, every four years, every World Cup. I, I had a look at the first goal scorer, or uh, not the first goal scorer, the top goal scorer odds, and I like Vinicius at thirty three to one. So I that's saw like that. that's pretty I don't good. Three thousand three plus three, yeah, plus three thousand three hundred. Um, given given the the form that he's in, 
Uh, it's 21 goals for club and country this year. Uh, scored in Champions League final. He's got those big match credentials. Uh, I don't know. I think I think I could see him uh, doing something big in this in this World Cup. And uh, some some guys who I know are professional gamblers like the look of Germany a lot at plus one thousand two hundred. I think uh, at twelve to one. Um, but that might just be. Uh, because the guys I know are British and British people have just, or English people have this sort of ter- fear of the Germans. The Germans are just going to win. They're just going to win whatever. They're going to find a way to win. So I don't know if it's based on based on logic, but um, but yeah. So um, uh, the only bet I make though every four years is, is Uruguay to win. And one of these years it's going to happen. One of these years is definitely going to pay off. I mean, I don't know if you saw uh, Fede Valverde top score 151 to one. Is that a terrible bet? It's not bad. I mean, it, it sort of is a terrible bet, but I mean, at the same time, it's a bet that I would like. Like that, That's my kind of bet, you know. Low risk. Um, Darwin, Darwin Nunez is 50 to 1, uh, which mm. might be a little bit more. Um, but yeah, fed it. Thing is, like, when you're looking for, like, a top goal scorer bet, you have to, like, think how hard is their group and how yeah. far are they going to go in the competition? Yeah. And Uruguay have got a pretty difficult group uh, with uh, South Korea, po- um, Portugal and Ghana. So it, it, they, they, they might not even get out of the group and, and they might not go that far. But but yeah, who knows, man? Who knows? I don't think it's going to be Alvaro Morata. I think he's 40 to 1. Um, I think that, you know, plus, plus 4,000. I would take Fede over Morata. 400. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah maybe. Um, listen, I I think I've abused your time long enough. You I used to Yeah, we can keep going. I um so I I was going to say like I used to like just say I'll see Phil in Spain. I don't see like I barely see any of the TSFP crew because you're in Barcelona now for uh, every weekend. Sid's usually pitch side and I see I see Al the most. I'll, I'll, I see it's, yeah, it's yeah. always great running into him, but like, you know, I just, I'm like, Oh, I'll just see the TSFP guys in person. <laughs> but now we have to like actually schedule zoom calls to see you guys. So, um, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, um, I don't, I, I don't get to go to games anymore, man. It's, um, it's, 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 it's I, I try and go midweek. Um, and if there's a Friday or a Monday game that I can get to, I, I, I will, but it's, it's difficult. Like I do, I do miss it. There's, there's nothing quite like going to, uh, to, to to see a live football match and obviously you're fortunate enough to be able to come over and and, and get to the Bernabeu quite a lot but I know there's a lot of lovely listeners uh, Real Madrid listeners who have never been to a live La Liga game have never been to a Real Madrid game and it is something truly special I worked at the Bernabeu for nine seasons and honestly I've been there so many times and it is genuinely pretty special every time you go there so now I haven't been there for the last game I was at was the Man City Champions League semi-final. So I mean that that was pretty good. Wow. Um, that was that was just the most. That was the last one uh, just, before the yeah, just that run, basically. man. Because I was there for the I was there for PSG as well, and just that run was just so irrepeatable. Like that's never going to happen again, like that. So um, yeah, uh, it's 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 going to be yeah, it's going to be special when I go back because I yeah, haven't been for a while. So I'm looking forward to it. What's um. We, and we can expand this to the entire league. It doesn't have to be a Real Madrid-related item, but what has been the biggest surprise or biggest story for you this season in the league up until now? It's not quite the halfway point. It's kind of like a winter, weird winter break, but what has been the biggest surprise for you? Yeah, there's 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 a few in terms of like uh, storylines and, and teams overachieving. I mean, I don't think we should... Um... 
don't think we should uh, underestimate just how ridiculous it is that Sevilla are in the relegation zone. I mean, that mm. is, you could readily assume that they weren't going to be as strong as they were last season, having lost their two first choice centre backs. And you could think, well, maybe Monchi is going to come out and, and the people who he brings in are, are going to be able to to fill the boots of, of Kunde and Diego Carlos. But I don't think anyone expected it to go as badly as it has gone. And it has gone catastrophically, historically badly. Um, so that's a big story. I think Sevilla uh, being in the relegation zone, being potentially in a relegation battle, because I haven't seen any reaction from them under San Paoli either. Like they're, they're not playing better. Like They're not playing at all. So they've got a lot of work to do. In this, um, in this, uh, in this little break, um, on I think on a more positive note, like teams like Osasuna, like Osasuna are seventh. Uh, didn't expect Osasuna to be flying like this. To be so, well, I say that didn't expect them to be so competitive. You always expect them to be competitive, but like they've got players who are just like overperforming, or maybe not even overperforming, but just performing at a level that we didn't expect them to. And like youngsters like Aymarov has come into the team and obviously had never heard of this guy before and he comes in and, and he's, he's, he's a brilliant addition. Uh, the two Garcias at centre-back are like rock-solid centre-back pairings. So uh, Osasuna are like a big surprise package. Real Sociedad a third as well. Did, 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 did not see that coming at all. Um, thought they might be there or thereabouts challenging for Europa League. I didn't even think they'd be challenging for, for a Champions League spot. And they might not come the end of the season but uh, for them to be here at the break given the number of injuries they've had you look at their injury list and they've had like their first like five choice strikers or forwards out for basically the whole season and they've somehow managed to manage to do this um they're they're, they're dirty by the well not dirty but they are physical they lead the league in in, in fouls so they're doing it like in a mm. sort of not dainty passing it around nice kind of fashion they've got a lot more physical in it and it's working for them and yeah I mean there's there's yeah those those are like two so like three standouts that like really, really surprised me I didn't think Raya would be still as good as they are and they're just doing more or less the same that they were doing last season to more or less similar similar results if you look at the number of points gained at this stage of the season last season it's it's pretty similar um yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's been interesting. I've enjoyed these first 14 match days. There's been, like, lots of little storylines. I think you could, like, interesting stuff has happened to every team, basically. And because I because I watch every single game, because I'm in a studio watching every single game, you know, you get to see, you get to see um, um, basically everything and uh, form an opinion on everything. So, yeah, there's, 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 there's lots going on all the way, all the way through the league. I mean, Atleti, we didn't even mention Atletico as well. I mean... Did, did, did genuinely thought that they would have a a good chance of, of pushing for the title. I thought, you know, last season was a bit of an aberration, bit of a slip. They've got a stronger, stronger squad now. Uh, they've got, you know, Griezmann back. I thought, bam, it would be it would be a good season for them. And it's been really, 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 really poor. So yeah, I mean, there's been there's been lots of stuff. Just the thought that you watch every single La Liga game. Is mind blowing to me. I mean, you're in studio. You do, and I know you guys have long. There's nothing else to do, Kian. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I, like, <laughs> it's not. It's not out of choice. Like, I wouldn't necessarily on a Saturday afternoon sit and watch, you know, Elche Getafe instead of going to the park with my boy. But because yeah. I'm there, like, <laughs> you have to. So, um, so yeah. How like? Because for me, when I watch games, I like to take notes. But if I'm watching more than one game a day, I, I. 
I kind of start turning my brain off and just kind of look, stare at the screen without really analyzing what's happening. So, you know, my day at La Liga TV is uh, we do a, uh, we start at one o'clock Spanish time and we do a 50 minute preview of what's coming of the day. And then the, the two o'clock game kicks off and then we do like a halftime show. Uh, then the 4.15 game kicks off, another halftime show, 6.30 games kick off, halftime show, uh, preview of the 8.30 game, halftime show. And then we do a post-match show, which starts at 11. And for, on Saturdays, it's it's an hour. And on Sundays, it's an hour and a half. By the time we get to the 11 o'clock show at night, I sometimes have forgotten what's happened in the first game of the day. Like genuinely, you know, you do write notes to sort of remind yourself what's happened. Yeah. I was like, what was the score? What, what happened? Because... It's um, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. Um, but but yeah, yeah, it is what it is. What's it been like working with uh, Gary Lineker? I haven't actually done too much with Gary. Um, I've, at we the did beginning the of the season, last season, I think. I um, okay. I did the Classico with him last season, but he hasn't uh, he hasn't been over this season yet because okay. uh, he didn't come over for the last Classico. Um, uh, he's been going on Zoom, doing some Zoom calls, but that's I think on a Friday, and I'm only there Saturday and Sunday. So this mm-hmm. season we haven't worked together, but we did, we did work together last season in the studio, and uh, it was great. I mean, you know, uh, I grew up as a Spurs fan, and I literally had a poster of him on my wall yeah. uh, as a kid. So you know, it was nice. It was nice to to work with him and to find you know that someone who you idolize as a kid is actually a good professional and very personable. So no, it was a, it was a very positive experience. Got it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit out of the loop because over here we get the ESPN feed. We don't get the La Liga TV feed. So I might yeah, some shame that. Ho- hopefully that will change in the future. Um, yeah, hopefully that will change in the future. But I don't know. Yeah. Um, Phil, listen, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Keep up the no great problem, work. I, I mean, I don't need to say it because everyone knows. But just in case there's that one guy who doesn't know. Go to TSFP. They do awesome podcasts on Spanish football. They're covering the World Cup extensively during the tournament. You can find La Liga. Uh, you can find Phil on La Liga TV. You can find him on TSFP. And I think your Twitter ad is at Phil Kitro. Is it that simple? Can't remember. Yeah. 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 Phil yeah. yeah. We'll include all that in the show notes as well. Phil, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was it was a pleasure. Pleasure, man. No worries. All right, before we let you guys go, we wanted to give a quick shout out to our patrons over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid. If you pledge $10 or more, you not only get guaranteed responses to your questions, but you also get a specific shout out on the podcast. In addition to all the content, the bonus content we put over on Patreon. So shout out to these $10 plus patrons as follows. Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed, Will Sousa, Wei Pering, Wamik Jamal, Tobias Royal Botcher, Tarek Goktas. Talib Salhab, Tahmid Kalam, Sujaiwani, Sumanchu Singh, Sheikh Atiri, Shamil, Shabazz Sharapov, Sergio Arispe, Santos Solorsano, Samuli Justin, Samer Z, Said Mahad, Sai Mohan Sasi Kumar, Rodrigo Balmaceda, Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, Paulo Fierro, Patrick Diafari, Oscar Barrera, Nico Laxo, Nicholas Moller, <coughs> Nick Ribeiro, Mowgli, MJ Diego, uh, Michael Zinberg, Marin Myrtle, Matthew Atkins, Martin Ridman, Magnus Lext, Logan Stahl, Leon Stavronakis, Kunal Tilakar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jason Fitz, Ian Marley, Graham Gerard, Gary Kohut, Frederick Rantakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, S.A. Davisito, 
Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Con P, Christian Toff, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Ashik Bashar, Arnab Mukherjee, Arman Gashi, Armando L, Antons Rudenko, Anirudh Singh, Ananya Kumar, Alex Steiberg, Al Azaz Hussein, Adrian Rios, Adarza Lukovic, Adam Dorsey, Bella Chow, Varun, Ramtin Magrur, Fabian Moreno, and Daniel Smith. We love you guys so much. Thank you for the support and being part of this family. And Halamarit.